Hi, everybody. Uh, we're beginning our series going viral this morning. If you'll turn your bulletin over, you'll see our notes for today and the verses. The intent of the series is to help all of us that are followers of Christ to realize, you know, we don't have to be somebody we're not to really be able to make a difference and have a powerful influence upon people for Jesus. Uh, so I think it's a, a, it's a really good, good message, good news for us. This title of the series uh, is one that indicates, you know, something that spreads quickly that, that that grows rapidly from you know one person to another and this is what we see if you if you read the book of acts how the church spreads from 120 people to over 100,000 people strong and I've, I've been here at, at BSCC now for a number of years and have seen seasons where the good news of Jesus spreads quickly and I've been praying that this series will help initiate just such a season of growth and effective outreach and disciple making so I want to begin this series with a story. Just ask you if you can relate to this story. Had a you know, good long day at work and you're heading home, get, get your belongings together, go to the car there to drive home, kind of creeping along and, 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 and you remember, oh yeah, I, I need to stop by Target and pick something up before I, before I go to the house. So the traffic's pretty bad and uh, as you're driving, your um, gas light comes on. So pull off to the next gas station there fill up for heading heading on the road again you you get to the target parking lot as you get out of your car then somebody calls out your name you turn around it's it's a bscc friend you know kind of a nice little surprise there for you to connect with with a friend there and and they're they're leaving the store as you're going in so you have a good conversation catch up a little bit and then as you make your way into the store and you're you know um going down the aisle you kind of slow your pace and you and you come to a stop and and it, and it hits you you know uh, why am i here you know uh for life you, you just can't remember what you you were going there to buy you know anybody have that experience before yeah i think probably all of us in some some way have had that kind of experience so i just want to begin the series by asking that question you know why am i here because i want all of us in this time of worship to have just crystal clarity on this we we are here to guide people into a fully devoted relationship with jesus together that, that everything we do here at bscc connects back to that mission whether it's something we're doing with children or students or adults whether it's it's here in this time of worship as we seek to grow in our love for god together or like tom was talking about as we connect together in small groups to help each other grow in our love for one another it, as we're serving here on campus or out in the community, it, it all does come back to this mission of helping people come to know Jesus Christ as the Savior and the leader of their life. And then from there, to help people grow toward greater maturity and devotion in their faith and relationship with God. And that's why we're doing this series. It can be hard for us to grasp that God has given all of us who are followers of Christ the privilege the high honor of being his representatives and sharing and influencing people for Jesus. And I've been in ministry for many years and I still come back at times to this thought. I mean, who am I that God would choose me to be able to in some way have an influence upon another human being for him? I'm just this kind of introverted cautious routine oriented baby boomer you know i'm nobody special and it's helpful to me to just remember that it's god who has chosen every one of us 
who are a part of his church to be his representatives. It's his idea. Wasn't your idea or my idea? Wasn't our idea? It was, it was his idea. And I feel like one of the biggest barriers to really the good news of Jesus just going viral here at BSCC are misconceptions that people have. And I would say that's really kind of on both sides of the disciple-making venture, that, that for the non-believer, misguided notions about God, about the character of God, about what it would be like if you gave your life to God, keep many people from you know, having a real honest, open search for God. But as those misguided notions about God get, get corrected and, and there's a, uh, get replaced with, with an accurate understanding that, that God's heart is filled with grace and love for every person that He has created, well then a person is much more open to consider the claims of Jesus Christ. And then over on the believer's side, those of us who are, are followers of Jesus, I, I, I think we have misconceptions about what it would be like to really be an effective witness for Jesus. So a lot of Christians never really try to get themselves involved in this mission. And uh, be, because of the, the misconceptions, I, I think all of us who have embraced the cross of Jesus into our life as we just celebrated in communion, this understanding that what Jesus did there and going to the cross, He did for you and for me. He, he was our substitute. He took our place. That we might be able to be forgiven and reconciled to God. And all that that means. That I, I think every, every one of us who've had that experience, we want to honor God. In, in helping other people come to know His grace and truth. We just don't know who we have to become, you know, how, what we would have to be in order to you know, be able to do that, you see. Because we've probably all been down on the plaza before or somewhere where we've seen these people with these megaphones, you know, just shouting out about the impending judgment of God, you know, and we're like, that's not me. You know, I, I, I can't do that. So here's the first verse I want to share with you in this series. It's from Psalm 139, 14. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Here's the first point I want to make in this going viral series. God knew what he was doing when he made you. He did. He custom designed you exactly the way you are with your personality and temperament, with your you know, likes and dislikes and passion, your, your, your strengths, your natural talents and abilities, and has allowed the experiences you've had in your life, all of that. And he wants to use all of it, harness all of it in ways to work through you to help fulfill his mission to reach this world for Jesus Christ. I've got, a, I've got a truth I think you're going to find very liberating this morning. It's this. You can be yourself. You can just, you can be you. And be a powerful influencer in, in people's lives for Jesus Christ. And so this morning in the first message, we're just going to look at six stories of how God works through different Christians in the New Testament to reach and influence people for Him. And as we go through these stories, we're going to see six different approaches to you know, how God can, can use people. And I just want to encourage as we go through the list to think about 
ask God to help you see which one is really the fit for you, which one is just really naturally how God has made you. So let's, let's go through the list. The first one is called the direct approach. Now Peter, Peter would be the uh, poster child for this approach because it's just, just who he was, his, his personality and temperament. If, if he felt like he was right about something, he was not going to be stopped. He was, he was to the point. He was, he was bold. You might remember when the disciples were in the boat that night and Jesus comes walking to them on the waters. Peter, there was like, let me get out there to you, Lord, you know. When the, when the temple guards came to arrest Jesus, it was Peter who pulled out a sword. He was, he was ready to cut their heads off. And it's no wonder that God chose him to be the spokesperson on the day of Pentecost. There that we read about in Acts 2 where God needed somebody who would be unafraid to step forward in that city of Jerusalem where Jesus weeks earlier had been executed and just step forward and, and, and say, let me tell you all, thousands of people, that the one that you crucified weeks ago was the Son of God. You need to turn your life over to Him. Receive Him as your Savior that you might be forgiven and reconciled to God. God needed somebody who had that kind of bold personality and that just goes custom fit for who Peter was, you see. And as you read the story, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is at work in every one of these approaches, we'll see. The Holy Spirit just empowers Peter's very natural way of confronting everybody. And it says 3,000 people there in Jerusalem. They, they were cut to the heart as they heard this news. They, they believed in, in what Peter said about Jesus and were baptized. And so some people, they do need this more just direct, you know, uh, challenge of the cross. This is what Jesus was doing on the cross. What are you going to do in response? And as I think about people in my life, because this is not my natural approach, but as I think about people in my life that I've seen God work powerfully in this way, one name that came to my mind was Roy Weiss. There might be one or two of you that, that know that name, but Roy's passed. But he was the, the campus house minister at the University of Missouri in Columbia for decades. Had a big impact on my wife, Tammy. But Roy was somebody that when one of the people in his ministry, the students would come and say, you know, we have a prof I've got a professor that's just really trying to kind of you know, uh, humiliate and intimidate Christians and things. W would you mind meeting with that professor? Roy's like, yeah, I'd be glad to do that and set that up. And I mean, he was a very loving man, but just very direct. My favorite Roy story would be the Saturday where a couple of young unsuspecting Mormon elders knocked on his door. And uh, Roy's like, yeah, sure, come on in. Love to, love to sit down and, and share with you, you know. And uh, so they, they talked for about an hour. He came out, told his wife and his kids, hey, I'm going to be leaving with these two young men so I can go and baptize them. Uh, he said, uh, that was Roy. See Maybe you resonate with the direct approach. Uh, I had somebody in the lobby afterwards say, yep, that's me. Or maybe you say, Dave, let's go on to the other five. I'm ready uh, to, to, to see if I can identify my approach. The intellectual approach would be an approach. Paul, I think, could be certainly direct when he needed to be. But I think his natural fit was to take a very logical, reasoned approach and presentation of the nature of God, the sin problem of humanity, and the solution that Jesus Christ provides. As we see that in his writings and his work, an example would be in Acts 17, 
where he is with some, some philosophers, some deep thinkers there in Athens. And he shares about Jesus with them. And he starts with this Athenian idol to an unknown God that they had. And he began to explain then to these philosophers, let me tell you who this God actually is, this unknown God to you. And just in a very logical way, leads them then to the, the message of the resurrected Savior. And, and again, the Holy Spirit honors and works through that in such a way that it says there that several of these philosophers then gave their life to Jesus and uh, became Christians. So I think this approach today in our country is more important than ever with so many uh, Americans now kind of just becoming, you know, very you know, secular in their thinking and approach to life to, to not just have the good news of Jesus described for them, but really defined and defended for them. And so if you would say, I'm, I'm kind of an inquisitive person. I like new ideas. I like discovering evidence and things like that. This is probably your wheelhouse right here. This is your fit. And if so, I would encourage you to check out our Truth Matters team, our ministry that meets on Tuesday nights. You'll find some like-minded spiritual brothers and sisters there if you attend that group. I think you'll find your skills sharpened and developed for utilizing this approach. But this is a very important approach in our, in our world today. But I've got some other ones that might be the fit for you. This third approach is called the, simply the My Story approach. And this person, we don't know nearly as much about him as we do Peter or Paul. But the man that Jesus heals in John chapter 9 certainly had an experience worth telling about. He'd been born blind, so much of his life was just spent begging for you know, food and money to be able to survive. That was until Jesus approached him one day and everything changed as Jesus gave him the gift of sight. Later then, when some of the religious leaders try to get this man to renounce Christ, he doesn't try to debate them or he doesn't try to correct them. He just simply shares his story. Let me read a verse to you here, or, or John 9:25. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. That's a pretty difficult statement to argue with, isn't it? You know? <laughs> This is just what happened to me, you know. I, I, I was blind, now I see this is my story. Earlier, Jesus has this to say about why the man was born blind. Verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is what I was talking about earlier, where God will take everything that happens in our life and bring it together in a way that enables us to have a powerful influence upon people. And God knew in his foreknowledge that this man's story, as he's born blind, would, would come to a place where he would be able to, to, to have a strong witness there of what Jesus did in his life. And maybe that's you, the, the sense of you're comfortable just sharing, this is what God has done in my life. To just be able to share your story. And that can be extremely effective in the lives of people who will actually be turned away from a direct approach, turned off to that kind of confrontational, aggressive approach, and really don't have any interest in an in intellectual type of approach. But to hear the story of a person whose life was changed by Jesus is just what they need to be drawn to the cross themselves. And let me say, it doesn't need to be a dramatic story. 
It does. If your story is something like, you know, you, you went to church for many years, you did religious things until you really kind of came to a place where you realize that's really not what makes a Christian. Just the simple story of someone who moved from being religious to having a personal relationship with Jesus might just be the aha moment then for somebody. Would be for many people to say, that's really what I've been searching for. A relationship with God that is based upon His grace where He is leading my life every day. And, and can, you know, the Holy Spirit can empower that and work through that in, in mighty ways. And that again might just be you know, the right fit, the natural fit for you that you just need to recognize and stir and, 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 and use. But let's go ahead. There's some other approaches I want to go over with you as well because there's so many of them we see in the New Testament. There's the relational approach. In Luke 5, we have the story of, of a, a man named Levi or Matthew a tax collector who becomes a, a Christian and as he realizes, you know, this transformation in his life that Jesus has brought to him, he reaches out to his co-workers and friends by hosting a big party. Let me read a verse from the story. Luke 5, 29, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a, a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. So Matthew just relies on his relationships that he has with co-workers, with, with friends that he's developed over time, and he, he invites them to the, his house. He spends time with them, eats with them, and as he, again, comes to know you know, the, 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 the transformation that Jesus Christ is able to bring, he... He seeks to influence uh, all these people that he's in relationship in, in, in this way that's just very natural for him and because he, he cares about them. He, he wants them to experience the same grace and truth that Jesus you know, provided for him. And, and so this might be um, you know, the, the, the natural fit for you. Now, I will say next week's message is really going to center around this truth that our relationships or friendships really are the highest possibilities for us to have a spiritual influence in people's lives. And for some of us BSCCers, we're just particularly effective in this way. And so let me ask you some questions to kind of probe that a little bit. Do you enjoy having long conversations with people over coffee? People, somebody you've been praying for, you know? Just spending time with that person? Are you able to patiently listen to somebody express their spiritual concerns without being in a hurry to say, hey, here's what you need to do about that, you know? Just be a good listener. Um, do you enjoy having people into your home? Do you enjoy just spending time with people, building relationships? Because there are some people that will never come into a relationship with Jesus until they have a depth of relationship with one of his followers that God can work through that friendship and that relationship. This is how I've seen my wife Tammy be able to touch and influence so many people toward, toward Jesus over the years. It's a joy to watch this happen. It's just a very natural thing for her and it is Holy Spirit inspired. So uh, the relational approach, a fifth approach would be called the invitational 
approach. The woman that Jesus strikes up a conversation with at Jacob's well has three things going against her. She's a Samaritan, she's a woman, and she has been living an immoral life. Any of those would have been enough for a, a Jewish rabbi to just be totally dismissive of her, but not Jesus. And he reaches out to her, and he is kind to her, loving, compassionate toward her. As they are talking there, then she quickly realizes this is not just an ordinary you know, Jewish rabbi. His prophetic answers or prophetic insight that he has in their conversation and his authoritative answers to her help her to realize he is who he was claiming to be, the Messiah, the promised Savior. What does she do? She goes back into town. She invites and brings a whole bunch of people from the town out to the well to meet Jesus. He decides he's going to stay a couple more days there. And I want to read to you, this is the direct result of her invitation, what several of these town people declare then. In John 4, 42, Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. You see, there are tons of people that you know, live around BSC Sears that would take significant strides forward in their spiritual journey if one of them would just invite us, if one of us would just invite them to come to a worship service or come to an event that we have. A recent survey revealed that 51% of unchurched people said that if a, a neighbor or a coworker or friend invited them to a church, they would be likely to say yes, 51%. That number went up to 55% if it was a relative who made the invitation. You hear that? Over 50% of the people said that they would be likely to, to come and say yes if they were just invited to, to come to church. This is why we have invite cards for most of the series that we do for you to be able to use. So, so all of us, we can take advantage of this approach and sharing our faith. And, and some of us, like this woman at the well, we're just, we just have a knack. Some of you have a knack for getting people to go places with you. You know, you're just good at it. It's just a natural thing for you, this invitational approach. But I've got one more I want to go over with you. It's called the serving approach. In Acts 9.36 about Dorcas, it says she was always doing good and helping the poor. And she just became known as somebody that would do these loving acts of service for people in the name of Jesus. Specifically what she would do would make robes for widows and other clothing for people in need. And it would be difficult to, to you know, watch her in her efforts and not connect that to the love she had for Jesus that was inspiring her. In fact, she was so effective that when she died a premature death, God sent Peter to raise her from the dead so she could get back to serving, you know. People who take this approach find it relatively easy to serve others, and I think they notice needs that the rest of us just sort of look right on past, and they find joy in meeting those needs. It's just, it's just how God made them. And even though this might take a longer time, perhaps, to have a spiritual influence on people, this serving approach, I think it's one of the more important ones because of the fact that this particular approach is able to impact people nobody else can reach. And I was reading about a pastor in Tennessee who shared about how his dad, as, as this pastor was growing up, his dad would never go to church, wanted nothing to do with conversations about God. He said, um, 
everybody else's family went to church, but not my dad. And when the pastor would come by to visit, my dad would always say the same thing. I know what you want. Just another name and another pledge. You don't care at all about me. He said, if I heard my dad say that once, I heard him say it 20 times. I know what you want. You just want another name and another pledge. You don't care at all about me. But then when his dad got older, he, he got throat cancer. And he had to have surgery. He was in the hospital, just kind of really kind of wasting away. The hospital room was filled with flowers. Every one of them from somebody in the church. All kinds of cards came my dad's way. Almost all of them from somebody in the church. Food came to our house from the Sunday school class in the church. People came and prayed with my dad from the church. He said one day, though my dad couldn't talk, he took a scrap of paper and scribbled words from Shakespeare's Hamlet. In this harsh world, draw your breath in pain to tell my story. He said, Dad, what is your story? And his dad, with trembling hands, wrote on that scrap of paper... I was wrong. I was wrong about the church. And he said, I got to share the good news of Jesus with my father before he died because of the love that he had received from people in the church. This is the power of serving people in Jesus' name. So I want you to see this statement here. Doing things that are natural for me can be done in ways that guide people to Jesus. That's what I want you to take home with you today. That, that doing things that are, just, that are natural for us can be done in ways that guide people to Jesus. And I hope this has been an encouraging message to you. That you don't have to be somebody that you're not. There might be kind of a sigh of relief that you have. It's like, oh, I did have some misconceptions about you know, who can really make a difference in people's lives for Jesus. And, and uh, that you'll just recognize that this morning. Now, I, I think no one fits perfectly into one of these approaches. And, and it, in your life, there's going to be opportunities to use several, if not each, of these approaches. Might maybe come up with a seventh approach or an eighth approach. I mean, there's, there's so many. But what I really wanted you to see today is the people that are most effective in influencing others for Jesus, have really learned how to work within the design that God has, has made, you know, made for them, just the, 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 the natural way that God has created and made them to be. So I want to leave you with three challenges this morning. And here's the first one, to remind yourself what God has done in your life. I was 10 when I came to Jesus, but like many young people, in my late teen and early 20 years, I wandered from God before I came back to Him and really committed myself fully to, to the Lord. I know what Jesus has done for me. I know the grace and mercy that God has shown me. And I want other people to experience that same love and, and, and peace and joy that being reconciled to God provides that, that sense of, of victory and hope in, in a troublesome world that Jesus Christ is able to provide for every human being. I mean, I, I want people to have that experience and relationship and know God for who He truly is. And I think all of us, is just over and over I've seen when we remind ourselves and we recall the love and mercy and goodness that Jesus has shown to us. It moves our heart. It inspires our soul 
to want to make a difference and help other people come to know his grace and truth as well. So just remind yourself of what God has done in, in your life. The second challenge would be to identify the approach that is natural for you. Let me just mention these six approaches again. There's the direct approach, the intellectual approach, the my story approach, the relational approach, the invitational approach, and the serving approach. Figure out which one is just the natural fit for you. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make as Christians is we, you know, we think I've got to be something, someone different, you know, to really be effective. That, that is just not true. So take the time to pray about that. Talk with people who know you well if you're kind of struggling to identify that approach. But, you know, because there are people that God is going to bring in your life, they're there right now. That through His Holy Spirit, He wants to empower and work through you to help fulfill His mission in this world. And that would bring us to the last challenge is just ask God to help you take advantage of these opportunities to use your natural approach. Because there's some people in your life that God wants to lead to the cross of Christ. And they need somebody exactly like you in their life, just, just who you are. If they see God in you, working through you, in the ways that are natural for you to express Christ, that'll move them through the Holy Spirit toward the cross, maybe to that point of, of, of committing their life to Jesus. And so, uh, I encourage you to, you know, as you leave this coming week, you know, be in prayer about this. God, help me to see with your, your eyes and vision those opportunities and make the most of them as you have made me to be. So I want, before we pray, to imagine with you what could happen between now and Easter. Because I believe God wants to do a deep work inside every one of us in this series to ignite something in us or reignite something in us. Since he's doing that work in me, I, I'm praying he'll do that work in every follower of Jesus that's a part of BSCC. That our hearts would be captured by what captures and captivates the heart of God. Which is to reach with his grace every child, every student, every adult that is currently separated from him in their sin. As 1 Timothy 2.4 says, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So let's seek Him and invite this working of His Holy Spirit in us in this series. Then in three weeks, we're going to be moving back over next door into our newly re re renovated worship center, this wonderful space where we can invite and people can come and just be still before God to receive His grace and truth, to be changed by His love and, and His Holy Spirit. As we begin to worship there, then two weeks after that is Easter. You know, the number one time along with Christmas Eve where people are receptive to come into church. So you just kind of add these things up together and this is such an opportune time for us, such an important and exciting time for all of us BSCCers to say, yes, 
I'm going to live on mission. I'm going to be highly dialed in, fully dialed into this calling, this, this honor and privilege that God has given to us to be His representatives in sharing about Jesus with others. And let me just say, before we pray, that if you've been thinking, Pastor, you're talking about me. <laughs> See, because I've never made a decision for Jesus. I would encourage you to do one of two things. We have a response card by the tables and as you, by the doors. You could just fill that out and put it in a basket and we'll follow up with you. Or just say something to me or one of the other staff before you leave today. Because we'd love to have a conversation with you about where you are and next steps uh, in your faith toward Jesus Christ. Uh, it'd be our privilege. That's why we're here. Let's pray. Thank you for our time this morning. Lord, to be able to come before you, to sing to you, to pray to you, to remember what you did for us on the cross, Lord. To consider the way in which you have made us, God, to be a part of the work that you are doing in this world. I pray for us at BSCC that we would remember why we are here, why, why you haven't taken us on to heaven yet, that if you, Jesus, are, are our Savior and Lord, you, you, you've got work for us to be doing. And I believe that you know, we want to be about that work. We just we get confused about what that would look like and and I thank you that I was just so excited to just share with everybody today. And we could just be ourselves. So I pray you'd give us clarity on, on the approach that's natural for us, that we can be influencing people for Jesus and that we'll step into that then in faith. That we'll, you know, we'll take those kind of you know, risks in terms of sharing and showing the love of Jesus, the good news of Jesus with others. Oh God, I pray that you would ignite this fire within BSCC that would spread, that we would be a bright light in uh, this community and beyond for there are many who've yet to, to come to know you as Savior and so we seek you, God. We want to honor you in this work and high calling that you've given to us. Thank you, God, that this is your heart, that we pray this with confidence as we commit ourselves to this mission. For your glory, we pray this together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.